Hello and welcome along to Destination Tokyo, 10 minutes of daily Olympic and Paralympic chat with myself, Mark Shardlow. Today it's Britain's Badminton's number one mixed doubles pair, who've been regulars since this podcast began in January and have really given us a flavour of what disruptions Covid has caused to elite sport. From 23 hours a day in their hotel room when competition began in Thailand back in January to quarantines to changing plans, well their qualification seems to have come to an abrupt halt, but it should mean they are off to Tokyo this summer, but it's not clear yet. Welcome along, Lauren Smith, Marcus Ellis, and you've got a special guest along with you. Ah, this is Luna. This is our furry child. Um, yeah, she's probably going to get in the way, but thought we'd thought we'd bring on a, a bit of company. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've had a really disrupted time. When you last spoke, you were thinking it was going to be the longest time you'd been away on a, a competition block, but that changed dramatically, didn't it? Tell us what happened. Yeah, so we were supposed to be going on a, a four-tournament, six-week tour, and what's actually happened is we went on to one of those tournaments, which was the first one, which is the European Championships, and we came straight home, and everything else has been cancelled or postponed. So that means there's no more events now in the Olympic qualification period for badminton. And and yeah, that's basically it now before the Games. Wow. So the position you're in then is is that I suppose you're in a good position, you're just waiting for official ratification, but there's nothing between now and Tokyo. Is that right? That's our understanding of it. You know, obviously we're still, like you say, waiting for the official announcements, but for them to manage to squeeze a tournament in between now and then would be a very big surprise and probably a very big ask. So I think we can say that we've finished qualifying in a position to go to the Olympics uh, and all things being well will be selected. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, we've reached the end of qualifying. We just haven't had the official word on it yet. But like everything at the minute, it just takes that little bit of extra time, I think. At the best of times, I mean, you know, I think, am I right in saying that usually, I mean, you've both been there before, you would get a letter telling you that you either have or haven't been selected and then there's like an appeal period before things are publicised. Is that right? Yeah, so... I'm not 100% sure if it's different for an Olympic selection, but usually how we do it in England is if there is a selection, you get uh, something like 48 hours to to make an appeal um, and you have to state your reasons, etc. Really hoping that, you know, we don't have to go down that avenue. And that's really the, the, the process that delays, you know, official announcement and official celebrations and actually you being able to come out and say the four years of hard work or five years of hard work, this is the end of the road. Um, well, the end of this road, I suppose. So what happens then if you haven't got tournaments and you've got Tokyo, what, three, two months or so away? How do you prepare over the next two months? So it was quite obviously a big change in plan. We thought we'd have all these tournaments and we'd then come back and have about five weeks in the build-up, which is a really, really short build-up to such a major event. But obviously very quickly it became clear that we were going to have nine weeks, I think, from returning from Europeans to go in. Um, So yeah, I think we kind of had to get into action quite quickly because nine weeks sounds like a long time, but in terms of periodised training, it's, it's not. So, you know, we kind of sat down with our coaches and discussed what we wanted it to look like, um, what the sort of short blocks of it would be and and got a plan in place. And, you know, we had a bit of time off after Europeans as well, which was well needed. Um, 
you know, I feel like although we haven't been traveling loads because of COVID since we came back into training last June, it's been pretty full on because, you know, even when you have a break, you can't actually have a break. You can't go anywhere. Um, so it was nice to just have a week off, even mm. if it was at home and come into it very fresh and very focused. And, you know, now we've got this very clear plan of what we're going to do leading up to the games, which I think for me is I'm really enjoying having that because for quite a long time it was we might be in this country and we might be at this tournament and we don't know how long this quarantine is. And, you know, there was a lot that was up in the air. And for the first time in quite a long time, obviously we haven't had the official qualification uh, confirmed, but there is a very clear planned, you know, two months. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's been quite good, I think. You said, I can't remember the word, you said periodization of your training. What, what does that mean, Marcus? Yeah, so, you know, the coaches come up with a plan, especially if you have a long period leading up to a big event. Often you'll have stages of training where you're focusing on something in particular. So this first three weeks, for example, is a real big physical push um, for the whole group. And, you know, the badminton side is, you know, we're not focusing on it too much. You know, we're focusing on getting fit and stronger. And that's the first three weeks. So that's um, the first period, if you like. And then there'll probably be two more periods after that, right before we get on the plane. And hopefully that puts us in the best possible shape. Obviously, you know, you can, you do everything right, but ultimately you have to, you have to do the business when you get out there. Yeah. And how about the business of the Europeans? Were you happy with that? You, Lauren, you were two finals. Marcus, you were what, a final and a semi-final and a bronze medal. Well, happy? That's difficult. I think, especially, I don't know, I don't speak for Lauren, but for me, the, especially the mixed, it felt really, really tough to take. I wasn't, I, I wasn't in the best physical shape. I had a couple of niggly injuries. But when we got to the final, I felt that we were favourites and we, you know, we could have and sh- maybe should have won, didn't perform as, as we would like. So I left feeling a little bit disappointed uh, just because I think particularly in the mix, we could have could have gone that one step further. Uh, maybe on the doubles, I think that's all we could have, all we could have got at, the, at that particular time. So overall, it, it was OK. You have to be happy with you know, taking medals at a European Championships at the end of the day. That's a great position, isn't it? You're feeling disappointed with the silver medal. I mean, that that's quite something, really. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're definitely perfectionists. Um, <laughs> you know, you go there to win, and I think especially when you feel like it was maybe a, an opportunity that you didn't take, it is even harder. Um, you know, for example, with the women's silver that I got, it feels quite different to the mixed silver because... Actually, I feel like in the women's performance-wise, away from results-wise, I think we played some of the best badminton we've played as a pair. Um, you know, we've, me and Chloe have been working really hard in training, and that showed in our performances in the event. Um, whereas, actually, if you compare that to the mixed, I mean, we've still been working really hard in training, but we just didn't manage to kind of find our flow and rhythm and the level that we know we're capable of. So, you know, it's two silver medals, but two quite different feelings about the week. So how about today then? Uh, We're recording this on a Monday evening, special day in the UK, you know, um, hugs, pubs, cafes, cinemas. Any of those apply to you? (laughs) Yeah, you know, we'd love to to do it all. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it has... As big, big Boris says, he said, you know, do it, do everything with caution. And that that's kind of like what we're going to do. You know, we're not going to do anything crazy, you know, go out every night just to eat out and go to the cinema every night just because we now can. I think, 
you know, we I think we booked a meal out on Sunday. on Sunday, and you know that's probably the only one we'll do for a couple of weeks. You know, and it's just nice to have the option um, and not feel like we have to just because mm. we can. I think it's nice just having that freedom back, even if you don't use it. I think that's the big the biggest biggest thing for us. Yeah, I think looking forward to like seeing family and hugging them all again and stuff like that. It's just that we don't live that close to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice as well to feel everybody else's sort of happiness about it. You know, there's such a lift in a mood in the mood compared to like last week even. Um, and I think you know those sort of feelings are very contagious. Um, so it's yeah, it's a really great day. And how about getting the vaccine? I guess you've probably got mixed feelings about that. It seems that most countries are now. Uh, vaccinating their Olympic and Paralympic athletes. There seems to be a sort of move that it'll be accelerated for GB2. How are you feeling about that? Every time I look on Instagram at the moment, I see another fellow competitor from another country getting vaccinated and a lot a lot younger than me. And, you know, you just think, oh, when's it going to be my turn? But, you know, our country do it in the way they've done it. And I think they've, they've done it the right way. I think they're now we're now getting to a stage where, the most vulnerable people have been taken care of, if you like. Um, and I think I remember I said when we spoke to you some time ago, I would never ever take a vaccine that was that was meant for someone who was very um, vulnerable. You know, now in the build up to the games, if if I was offered one, you know, I would more than happily take one because I've seen I've also seen people my age who have been absolutely struck down by it. You know, and I don't that want to be me or anyone going out there flying out, being in and around all those people. Um, I think it's important that as many people as possible are, are vaccinated against it. Yeah, well, it's over 35s this week, so you're you're fairly close then, Marcus. Great. Oh, look, great to see you both. Um, well done to Luna for behaving yourself there and uh, chat to you again soon. Great to see you all. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Nice to speak to you. That's Marcus Ellis and Lauren Smith and their well-behaved dog, Luna. And uh, hopefully things will become clearer in the next couple of weeks and we'll bring you news of that when selection is decided. Thanks very much for listening. More tomorrow. Just a reminder that I'm making these podcasts to help raise awareness and money for Maggie's Cancer Centres. If you'd like to make a donation, then please check out the show notes or go to justgiving.com and search Destination Tokyo. Thanks again for listening. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you.